All right, here we are, week two, Unshakable Faith, and uh, looking forward to diving into it. You know what I love about this video is it says, you know, we have something that separates us, and that's the ability and the, and the promise that we can walk by faith and not by sight. We can take a look at all the things that we see that are projected to us and on us and at us, and we can say, yeah, I see all that, but I can still walk in great faith. And we're excited to jump into it today. I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the pastor here. On behalf of my wife, Jessica, and the rest of our team, we just want to say we're so glad that you're with us today. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you. Say we're so glad that you're joining us. If you're watching on Facebook today, you can use the chat section. Let us know that you're with us today. You can interact and leave comments and help preach the sermon today. But so glad that you've joined us that way as well. And then if you're up in our additional seating, just so glad that you're hanging out with us today and believe that God is going to speak to you as well up on our second floor. So let's jump into it today. I'm going to pray and ask God to speak to us. And uh, you know, you've heard me say this before. I believe in taking notes. I believe uh, that our retention rate is so much higher if we can write things down. And, and so I want to encourage you to be able to do that as we jump into it. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. Lord, we know that you don't do accidents, Lord. I thank you that there's no such thing as coincidences with you. And so we're here hearing this word because you have designed us to hear it today. And so, God, I pray that it settles. I pray that it sticks with us. And, God, we even ask that it changes us today. And, Lord, I pray that as I preach it, Lord, that you anoint it and that it brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard me say before that um, I think a good sermon is a sermon that does two things. One is it comforts as you're preaching a sermon. It should comfort the afflicted. It should bring some sort of comfort for somebody who's maybe going through a trial or facing a circumstance. But then at the same time, I also think that a sermon should also afflict the comfortable. God calls us to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And God's asking us to, to always be growing in him. So I think a good sermon does both. I've also heard it said this way, that there's two kinds of sermons that a church should deliver to its people. There's times where a sermon should be like a massage and you come in and and it feels good, and, it, and the sermon releases tension, and you feel excited, and, and you leave this place, you know, hip-hop, hooray, you know, it's a good day. Uh, but then sometimes a sermon, you should come in, and you should hear a sermon that's more of like a chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> they're setting you. Uh, they're just setting things in place. Now, we have a couple chiropractors that are actually here, the Peasley brothers. Many of you see them. They, uh, they support this church and us very well, and, and, and we love them. But when you go visit them, and this is terrible sales for you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but when you go and see a chiropractor, when you're receiving a chiropractic adjustment, it's super awkward. It's very awkward. Because, you know, you go in there, and, uh, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get you adjusted. We can get you set, right? Okay, good. What do I need to do? Well, you need to stick your foot in your ear. You know, it's like they put you in all these crazy positions, you know, and so they get you all set on this weird thing. And then Justin climbs up on the table. And he's like, all right, now from here, I'm going to jump off of here and hit you with my elbow. And then you're going to and you're like, ha ha. And then you're like, oh, he's not kidding. <laughs> he's not kidding. And then Andrew always asks you while you're getting adjusted. Are you doing OK, Josh? I'm like, no, bro, you're sitting on my head. How am I supposed to be? <laughs> this is very awkward for all of us, you know. And I think a good sermon should do that, too. I think a good sermon, as you sit and you hear and we receive truth, we should all kind of be like, but this is a little convicting. This is a little awkward. This is a little, you know, you're putting me in a position where this is pressing on me a little bit to put things in adjustment. And so I just want to be honest with you up front. That's what today's going to be. 
You know, last week might have been a massage. We talked about God is with us to the end of the age and, and, and he'll never leave us or forsake us and he loves us and he wants to remind us because we're people who forget. And, and so that was last week. And so this week's going to be a little bit more honest. And I, and I, and I want to just put this out there at first. You know, this to me, as much as I reverence a pulpit and the honor that comes with that and the respect and reverence that you should have for preaching the word, uh, when I get up here, I picture this as just a living room where a bunch of my friends and family have come and we're talking about what God is doing in our lives. And so this sermon for me is, is a little bit more of me just talking out loud to my friends and family. Uh, it might not have some of the, the perfect transitions and bridges that a normal sermon would have because I'm just, I'm talking about what God is doing in my heart, in my life. Um, you know, God is saying so much right now in, in what might, some might say is the last days or no matter what you feel about the last days, we do know that every single day gets faster and faster just in culture and in the world. And, and I believe God is speaking so much more in such faster rates that me as a pastor and just kind of as my personality, I'm like just hearing stuff and all over the place. Like God is just saying so many things. So I'm kind of like, ah, oh. I remember uh, my golden retriever. Uh, he just loved tennis balls, of course, like every dog, you know, and um, we didn't have any kids or anything. So we had all this stupid money. And so we lived on like eight acres and the house was on the top of a hill. And, uh, and so I would take my baseball bat and I would hit tennis balls down the hill and he would run down and get them. One day I thought it would be so cool to see what he did if I went on eBay and I bought a box of a hundred tennis balls. And I stood up on our bed when we got those boxes, that box of tennis balls. I called him and I said, hey, Roy, come here, buddy. And I picked the box up as high as I could, and I dumped it out. And, they, and he was like, oh, 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 like 100 balls. He could. And man, I'm telling you, that's where I feel like I am as a Christian and a preacher. And God is saying so many things right now. And it's really exciting. And so today, I, I just want to throw it out there to you. We're just talking out loud some things that I believe God is doing. And so it's going to be truth-filled. And, uh, and I know it's going to be good. Amen? And then I want to encourage you, next week, next week we're talking about the mindset of faith. I believe God gave us a very powerful weapon and advantage and thing that we have, and it's, it's our mind. It's our ability to set our minds on Christ and, and live faith-filled that way. So Scripture talks a lot about faith. There's so many things that you can say about faith. We're talking about unshakable faith. You know, living in this hour, it's easy to get shook. You look at all the things, it's easy to get, you know, kind of messed up about some things, but we can live with unshakable faith. 1 Corinthians 13 says, uh, speaking of faith, there's faith, hope, and the greatest of these is love. So faith is important. You got to walk confidently. You know, you got to walk in, in, in faith and, and be able to believe. And the scripture says, and with that, though, you got to be a person who has hope. One scripture says that uh, hope deferred makes one sick, makes your heart sick. It's, it's a sick way to live. It's a sickly way to live if you're living a hopeless life. So faith is important and hope is important. But then the Corinthians here is telling us that, but, but love is what gets the job done. We can have faith and we can have hope, but, but all of this, the greatest of these is love. Love is what gets the job done. One scripture says that if we have not love, you know, we're like a clanging symbol. We're just a bunch of noise. Love really matters in this faith, hope, and love thing. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you can't just say, well, you know what? I'm not a faith person. I'm not, I'm not one of those faith people. I'm more of like a behind the scenes. I'm not really a faith. Well, God is saying, no, no, no. We've all to, to live out what God's called us to live out. You've got to learn to walk in a level of faith. The Greek word for please God here, the Greek word for please is you are steo. You are steo. 
is the word here, and it means this. It means rendering good service to. Without faith, it is impossible to render good service unto our king. You know, we have the old kid song that says, like, I'm in the Lord's army, right? Like, we all have a service. We're all in here working and, and doing what God's called us to do in the kingdom. And the scripture's telling us without faith, it's impossible to render that service. And so we need to know something about faith. And uh, there's a pattern that I'm going to show you today that I believe is, is not only so important, but I also think it's so lacking in the world that we're living in. But first, let me ask you this. How many of you here? would say that you think uh, in the upcoming days or even the days we're living now that we're going to see a lot more of God's glory. Amen. And you're going to say, many of you, and you get excited about that, right? Your spirit kind of leaps when you even hear this room say, God's glory yeah. is out in the way. Yeah. The goodness of God, the glory of God, the, the, the power of God. We get excited because we know it's on the way. You, you feel that. Or when I say something like, God, uh, how many of you in this room believe that God is going to change things? How many of you in here believe that God's going to turn things around? How many of you in here believe that, that God is going to move in justice and, and he's going to set things up unto his glory? We, we get excited about that. Yeah. But can I tell you something? That the ecosystem of change, the ecosystem of bringing God's glory, his kingdom come here on earth, always works in this pattern. And it's the pattern of when God's children show up, speak up, and stand up. Yeah. That's how God moves in territories, in regions. That's how God brings back and restores these places that have gone to dark places. It's when the children of God say, hold on, I need to show up on this scene. I need to speak up when I'm on this scene, and I need to stand up on this scene. When I say stand up, I'm talking about not only have you shown up and you spoke up, but now you're willing to stand. And the scripture says when, when you've done all you know to do and stand, you do what? You keep standing. We got people that know how to show up to stuff. We got some people that know how to speak up about some things. But then we got people that are quick to bail on things. And that's why the scripture says, if you don't grow weary, if you don't get to, if you're the one who just keeps your hand to the plow and you just keep going and you stand and you stand, then those are the ones who will reap the harvest. Are you with me? And so God's ecosystem for change is show up, speak up, and stand up in these places. Uh, I believe many of you have heard the quote, the only thing necessary for triumph, for the triumph of evil, is if good men do nothing. How does darkness advance? How does evil take territory? Well, it's when it's surrendered by good people. It's when the kingdom of God or Christians hold back and shrink back and stay back, then evil advances. Can I get an amen today? And so we see this pattern in 1 Kings. I want to set this up for you as I believe to be a truth that we're still facing today. Uh, it's about the prophet Elijah. Of course, we know there's Elijah and there's Elisha who comes after Elijah and he walks with the double portion. But this is Elijah the prophet. And in 1 Kings 18, this is just after he called uh, for there to be no rain. He prophesies and declares that there's going to be no land which, or no rain which would bring a drought and a famine. And, uh, and he's standing up against some of the evil that's happening. Uh, we also see at this story that we're going to pick up King Ahab. Uh, is a wicked king, is an evil king, but he's really in partnership with uh, Jezebel, who the scripture goes on to say, uh, calls her like a witch, okay? So a very demonic, evil, working, behind-the-scenes person in Ahab's life. And I believe that that Jezebel spirit still can operate in the days that we live in now. Yeah. 
The scripture says that in these last days, you need to be aware of seducing spirits, evil spirits, things that are going to try to come behind things and manipulate and take over. And, and I believe that we still face those things. And so Ahab was somebody who was easily manipulated. Jezebel introduced the worship of Baal and Asherah. Now, the Jezebel spirit always needs a, a pushover spirited person, somebody that's easy to manipulate. The Jezebel spirit also instills false gods and, and idolatry and, and, and false things to pursue over. The Jezebel spirit also operates in fear and instills fear into culture. The Jezebel spirit is also very manipulative and so controls narratives and spins things to, to be a certain way. And so I believe that those are things that we face even in our hour. Can I get an amen? And so we see in this pattern here that, that the prophet does something so incredible. And there's a call to Christians here that I believe is still a call to us, especially when we're talking about unshakable faith. And so let's pick up this story here, 1 Kings 18. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? That's pretty fun when, as a Christian and someone following God, the enemy considers you a troubler. Wouldn't that be pretty fun if your tombstone said the enemy thinks you're a troubler? <clears throat> Verse 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family, your father's family, have. You've abandoned the Lord's command and you have followed the Baals. And now, and he says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So their friendship, that's their team, that's their crew. So go get all that crew and we're going to go up on the mountain. And then so Ahab went, sent the word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets to Mount Carmel. Now they're on Mount Carmel. They've all gathered, which actually... To call the king to do this, plus the king's crew. I mean, you're literally calling the political figures of the time to the mountain. Think how crazy that would be if me, the pastor, you know, walked up to the White House. I don't care who's in it now or who's been in it before. Let's just say any president. I'm not trying to make a stand. But say, knocked up. hey, you guys are running this wrong. Uh, you're messing it all up. As a matter of fact, how, why don't we have a little throwdown? Let's get up on the mountain. And uh, you bring all the Senate. You bring all your crew with you. You know, they, that secret service would be a little Mr. Reese. But that's what this actually is right here, you know. And, and so he say, calls them out. And, and then Elijah, they're up on the mountain. And here's what I want us to hear as believers. Elijah went before the people. Now, this is the Christians. Goes before the believers, the children of God, these, these people who walked with the Lord before Jezebel and them started putting pressure of idolatry and false worship on them. And Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. No show up, no speak up, no stand up. They said nothing. They were called in their hour to make a decision. Are you going to go the ways of the world? Are you going to go the ways of the true God? This is your moment. This is your hour to declare where you stand. And they sheltered in place. The harvest was plentiful. They were on the mountain. The opportunity was right. And people said nothing. They said nothing. I believe that we're living in an hour again where it's time for the people of God to choose 
Stop wavering. Stop playing the church game. Stop going through the motions. It's time for you to decide. If you're going to worship the ways of the world, make your decision. Or if you're going to worship the one true God, then make your decision. But the days of wavering are over. Can I get an amen? We don't have enough time. The harvest is plentiful. We need to be on the move. Can I get an amen? I wrote it down like this. A silent church is a dead church. To say nothing. A silent church is a dead church church. We've got to be a people who can show up, speak up, and stand up. We're living in this again. I wrote it down like this. Sometimes we show up as Christians. We show up to church, right? You know, sometimes we show up and we show up to church, but then when we get here, we don't choose who we're worshiping. We just spectate, right? We show, well, we're showing up, but are we worshiping? Are we declaring who the one true God is in our heart? Are we passionately engaged in worship? Or are we just spectating? Sometimes we speak up, actually. You know, we, we sometimes speak up. Unfortunately, it's usually as like a keyboard crusader for Christ. This is how a Christian speaks up. We go on Facebook and we reshare everything and we say edgy things behind our Facebook profile. And then that's how we're speaking up to culture. And I believe the enemy just laughs and laughs and laughs. Like, you think you're going to take back territory because you reshared what somebody else said? Are you with me? And I get so frustrated because the only way that we can take back territory is if we're in that territory. Show up, speak up, and be standing up. Uh, Everybody bombards me. You know, everybody, Pastor, did you hear about the new Pixar movie, Red Panda? Can you believe what they said? And if you shared stuff and concerns about that on social media, I think that's great. You should. We watched the movie, right? We were excited. We're Disney people. We, and so the movie came out. We watched the movie. And in the movie, <coughs> we were actually working on stuff in the house. And so we're a little bit busy. And then a few things. And I said to Jess, what did they just say? <laughs> what did they just say in this kid's movie? We're watching it again. I said, what was that? But guess what? Because I'm a show up, speak up, and stand up parent, I was able to handle it in my home. Can I get an amen? Because I was present, I was able to say, hey, kids, let's have this conversation about this thing. Now, you make your own decisions about that movie, but here's what I'm trying to get to. The furthest most Christians will take that is they'll go on Facebook and they'll say, I can't believe they're putting this stuff into movies towards our kid. Well, the reason they don't care what you're saying on Facebook is because the secular world has already inhabited all those territories. And your influence doesn't matter because you're not in their circles. If you care about what's going on in a Disney movie, let's go and take back film. Are you with me? Let's take back these territories for the kingdom. Stop wavering and let's truly worship. Can I get amen today? So sometimes that's how we speak up as we hide behind Facebook profiles. And then sometimes we stand up. We get started in something. God's called us to something. Oh, I believe God's called me to do this. And then we get a little bit tired or somebody says something about us. And we say, no, never mind. God didn't call me to that. God's called me to this. We don't stand. We actually just keep flip-flopping. We keep just wavering. Oh, God told me to this. Then he told me to this. He told me to stand here. And he told me to stand there. He told me to stand here. I believe that God is not a God who calls us into wavering and flip-flopping. God calls us to stand. Can I get an amen? So it says, why are you wavering between these two opinions? Make up your mind. Part of the reason, the way that I know God brings change through showing up, speaking up, and standing up is because God empowered us to be able to do that. Many times we say, oh, unshakable faith. Oh, take back territory that we surrendered. That's intimidating to me. But what you've got to realize is that God emptied heaven to empower you to be able to do it. 
We're so empowered to be able to do it. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I'm so worried what people are going to think. I'm so worried if I try to go do that, what people might say and what my, your life is already over. We're crucified with Christ. It's Christ that lives in us. Are you understand what I'm saying today? The opinions of people and the thoughts of all of the things, it, we, we've got to get this mindset of it's not, it's not I, it's Christ in me. The scripture goes on to say, the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Whenever you show up in these territories that we're going to show up and speak up and stand up in, you got to remember you're showing up with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. There's no reason to be intimidated. Think about this. Romans 6.10 says this, The same Spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave is the same Spirit that you and I have on the inside of us. Why would you waver? You have the same Spirit, the same power of God on the inside of you to be able to show up in those territories and see God move. Amen? Amen. Psalm 23 verse 6 says this, says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word house here can also be translated shelter. I will dwell in the shelter of the Lord. So here, what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, when you go in these places, when you go show up in these environments that you're going to show up and speak up and stand up and proclaim God is God and that, and that goodness and all the, the scripture says that goodness and mercy go with you. You're not on your own. His goodness and love go with you into those places. Oh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, and they might not accept me. And a goodness and God's love is going with you, and the Spirit is on the inside of you. Let's go back and be the light. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because it says that you're sheltered in Him. Psalm 34, verse 7 says this. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Another translation is He directs them. We can go into all these environments and show up and speak up and stand up. Why? Because God is encamping us as we go. You can say that thing in the workplace to somebody when God puts it on your heart to share a, a word of, of knowledge or speak love to somebody or to encourage somebody. You don't got to be intimidated by that. Why? Because you're encamped by God. Can I get an amen today? So we can speak up. I love Mark 16, 17. And many of us know this. It says, and, all, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And they drink any deadly, if they drink any deadly things, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What is this scripture saying? The scripture is saying, you, as you follow God, as you walk into these places, you have two promises, power and protection. It doesn't matter how shook we feel and how crazy things look and how messed up all these environments might be. You can walk in with power and protection. These signs will follow you. Yeah. Follow. You've got to be on the move. You've got to be taking territory. You've got to be advancing into places. And these are God's promises. It takes boldness for us to confront evil. It takes boldness for us to confront sin. It takes boldness for us to confront the idolatry of this world. I mean, think about Elijah going and calling to action what he called to action. It takes boldness. But the hard part is we've made Christianity non-confrontational. Every Christian is Rex from Toy Story. I don't do confrontation. <laughs> Every Christian is that. Or they're hippie Christians. Peace, man, God's love, everything, bro. Peace, man, God's love. But let me read you some words about Jesus. Jesus is love, man, peace, peace. He's love, love. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. 
Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of their own household. Verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The reality of this walk with God is you're going to be put in situations where you're called to not waver. Where you might be put in relational situations where it's like choose mother or brother or choose standing up for God. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say that because relationally it might make this person feel this way. And God says, well, if you love that more than me, you don't love me. Well, I don't know if I might speak up and say that and try to get into that territory. It might cause this person to feel this way. God's saying, you got to lose your life. You got to lose the comfort of everybody. Peace, bro. Love, bro. And I'm not saying we got to be jerks. We're all sick of the bullhorn Christian, right? We're all sick of that. But I'm saying if we think that Christianity is about us just walking in easily and everything being a Bible study, we're missing it by the mile. There's times that we got to call things to the mountain and ask God to answer by fire as we truly worship. Are you with me? And so it takes laying things down. It it takes laying things down. And the church has, has so surrendered. It's true worship to God. And we've replaced it with other things that make us feel better. I thought about the church has picked up secular ideologies in the name of love. But we're going to believe this because God says, love your neighbor. And so we're going to compromise and we're going to waver. And so in the name of love, we're going to, we're going to adapt all of these things. Or we've put our securities in things that are, that are not relationship with God, like religion, Oh, man, you don't understand. I can speak in Greek and I can speak in Hebrew and I've got this study and that study and this degree and that degree and we have no relationship. So instead of worshiping a true God, we've created this idol of God. Are you with me? And and we've surrendered. We're not truly worshiping. We're still wavering to something else. I thought about how we have false securities. Instead of just wholly depending on God as being our everything and our whole security and saying, God, I'm not wavering or looking to anything else to be my answer. I'm solely looking to you. We actually look to other things to be the answer. And we have these false insecurities where we say things like, you know what would fix this? I know what would fix this. If Trump got back in, then we would fix this. We got to get Trump back in here. Instead of saying, no, God, we need you. I got more Christians preaching the return of Donald Trump than I do the return of Jesus Christ. We got more Christians talking about, oh, if we can just get him back here instead of if we could just lift up the name of God. Are you with me? It's all these little false insecurities. It's all this wavering that we do instead of wholly depending on God. Are you with me? And we've fortified territories. I remember when the pandemic first hit and everybody was so kind of upset. And, uh, and, and bothered, and I hope you're okay. I hope you're comfortable. If it, I told you it'd be awkward for everybody. <laughs> Pretty soon Justin's going to jump on everyone. It will feel better. <clears throat> but the pandemic, you know, we, we have all these false, you know, like confidences that we, that, that we believe as they're all, all our little mini saviors. 
all these little mini saviors that we make. And so the pandemic hit and church was closed, you know, and, and church was closed. And I remember thinking and looking at the state of church. And I saw all these Christians getting so upset that they declared the church non-essential. They said, oh, you know, they said, oh, the church is non-essential. We can't worship. And everybody tied into all their different political feelings. They were so upset. Oh, they declared the church non-essential. How could you? I thought to myself, Christians have been acting like church is an essential for years. Coming to church less than two times a month. Statistically, they say that you will absorb over 50 hours of screen time in one week. Facebook, TV, social media, you know, all the different things. You'll absorb 50 hours of screen influence in one week. Now, if you came to church every single week and a church service is an hour, that means in one week your screen time will overthrow the influence of church just in one week alone. And, and so we're trying to pretend like church has been essential in your life? I'm not talking to any of you. That's another church. But, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is this. This is our hour. This is like our hour, and we got to really worship in true spirit and in truth. We also do these things where God's called us to show up and speak up and stand up and really be involved and engaged in people's life. And what we've narrowed it down to as Christians, we don't show up and speak up and stand up. We instead toss out this little, I'll be praying for you, brother. A great need has arose, maybe with a young mom or somebody's going through something, and God puts them in your path. We say, let me make sure I'm praying for you, sister. I wrote it down like this. The church will become more effective when we stop using heartless prayer as a substitute for obedience. Stop wavering. Stop wavering. Let's get engaged. Let's show up, speak up, and stand up. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't know why God put me here. I don't feel qualified for this. all of these things. But I'm somebody who's going to stand up and speak up and show up. Because why? Because God has called me to not waver. Amen. Amen. That's what God has called us to. And the reality is the harvest is so plentiful. I shared this with you in 2020. The Hirsch Mental Health Service Center uh, shared that the suicide hotline rate didn't just see in 2020 a 5% increase in suicide calls. They didn't see a 50% increase in suicide calls to the suicide hotline. They didn't see a 500% increase to the suicide hotline, they saw a 5,000% increase in one year to the hotline. Why? Because when things were happening, there was a desire deep in the soul of people to say, I need help in what is truth. Meanwhile, churches closed their doors. Are you with me? The opioid overdose rates, the most it had ever grown, the overdose rate, the drug opioid overrate, the most it ever grew in a year was 4%. And through the pandemic, there was a 26% increase in overdoses. What is it? It's people saying, I need help. I need a what? A savior. I need somebody who can come and take me from this place that I'm in. And we need to be a people who show up, speak up, and stand up with them. Can I get an amen? That's why God said we go and make disciples, not be a people who hope and wait. And we've created churches that just hope and wait. We come and we worship and we hope and wait. We come and we we see each other and we hope and wait. And God is saying, no, we come and we go and we reach people and we show up where they are and we speak up in their situation and we stand with them. Can I get an amen? Uh, This is my my last thought here. The scripture says that um, 
Elijah had the prophets of Baal go first. I actually like this. So think about this. He's like, yeah, well, why don't you guys go first? And the part I didn't tell you the story in case you didn't know it was they built an altar and they put a sacrifice on it. And the way that they were going to decide who was God was by fire falling on the altar. And so the prophets of Baal go first and everybody's all there to witness. And the scripture says that uh, they start in the morning and, and fire doesn't answer for the prophets of Baal. And uh, they begin singing and shouting and dancing. They're even cutting themselves. There's all of these extreme measures that they're taking to be able to get the attention of their God. It's actually a pretty funny scripture if you want to go read it later because uh, he, I love Elijah. He talks a little bit of junk. Nothing's happening for them. It's to no avail. And so he's like, maybe your God's like sleeping. Maybe you got to wake him up. <laughs> maybe he's out on a walk. You know, he's like giving all these scenarios. One translation says, uh, maybe he's out relieving himself. He's like just talking trash. But what happens here is they've created all these false idols. There's all this fake worship. There's all these untrue beliefs. These fake identities. There's all of these things that were formed in their falsehoods. And the reality is it came to no fulfillment. Yeah. Amen. I believe it's the same thing we're seeing in our hour. There's all this noise being made. There's all of this action. There's all of this hoopla. But at the end of the day, there's no fulfillment in it. Amen. So it's actually pretty cool that they went first. And it's like God was like kind of sitting back. He's like, all right, cool. Now it's our turn. Watch this. Yeah. And he answered by fire. And and a, and a great thing. And I believe we might be in that same hour where we're taking a look at things and it is noisy and it is loud and it is chaotic and it is full of false idols and it is full of lies and manipulation and chaos and crazy. And I'm just wondering if God's about to say, my turn, yeah. Amen. my turn. But you know what it's going to take? People showing up, speaking up and standing up because God uses his people to bring about his kingdom. Amen. We can't sit back anymore and waver. Amen. Amen. I'll close with this. There is a blessing for our obedience. I'm going to read it to you here in a minute, Deuteronomy chapter 28. But God gives us a promise that when we stay unwavering, when we stay connected and on point and pointed in what God has us to, there's a blessing for our obedience. Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send the rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. I don't know, look what's going on, the stock market and food prices and look at all, and gas and all these kind of things. Oh, there's a blessing for our obedience. And God says, you're always going to be at the top. You're not going to be the tail. You're going to be the head. I'm going to have you taken care of if you carefully obey. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the left or to the right, following other gods and serving them. You might say, I've never served another God. I've never worshiped a false idol. I've never, no, like, of course you haven't bowed down before a thing, but we do bow down to money and entertainment and ourself and all of these other things. And so the promise of our obedience is like, hey, if you don't, fall away from my commands and you don't turn away and you be a person who sticks and sticks. You can go into these places and take back territory. Why? Because God said, you'll always be at the top with me. You don't got to worry about how it's going to turn out. We can go in and redeem the times. Why? Because God's given you a promise that you'll be the head and not the tail. So Elijah forgot this. 
This is how it ends on the mountain, right? So um, he ends up killing all the false prophets, and uh, Jezebel finds out about it, and so she's not happy, and so she declares that she's going to kill him, and so he freaks out, uh, which I actually love about this because he had a great breakthrough miracle moment, and just like we talked about last week, we're people who forget, and so he forgot the power of God. He's like, oh, so he goes on the run. Scripture says that he's hiding in a cave. Think about this. If he's hiding, that means he's not showing up anywhere. If he's alone in a cave, that means he's not speaking up to anybody. And then he's not standing up because he abandoned what he had just done with the Lord uh, in, in his previous chapter. He's somebody who did the reverse of what we're talking about now. And so the angel says to him, what are you doing here? Of course, the angel knows. It's like when you walk in a room and your kid like made a huge mess and, and, and you know, got into the paint and color on the walls and you walk in and go, what happened here? Is the kids colored in paint. You know, you know, you know what happened. So does this, you know. So what, what happened? What are you doing here? And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. I've been very zealous for the Lord, but he feels like he's the only one left. Basically, I turn on the TV and I can't find a move of God. I, I look at the news, there's no move of God. I look on social media, I can't see how God is working. I feel like I'm the only one left. Why even try? Why even show up and speak up and stand up? I feel like I'm going backwards in this. And the Lord is like, you don't understand. Go to this next place that I call you to. I've reserved 7,000 more. God is always empowering us and equipping us to be the people who can move on his behalf. And there's times where we feel tempted. I'm the only one. God, I can't do this. And God wants to remind you, like we talked about last week, close your eyes, open them again after seeking the presence of God and see that there are many more with us than those that are against us. How can we live with unshakable faith? Because God is with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us and he's empowered us. This is our hour. This is our moment. The harvest is plentiful, and we won't let it be said about our life that the laborers are few. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for this time and the way that you love us and lead us. And God, in person and on social media and however, wherever may, people may be watching this, God, we ask right now that you just increase our faith. We know that that's a dangerous ask. But we ask it anyway. Because our desire is to see all places filled with your glory. God, we want to be a people who show up, speak up, and stand up in a very confused and dark and broken world. God, we believe that you are with us. You never leave us or forsake us. that we can abide in you and you in us. We have all that we need. We're praying God use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Appreciate you storming daylight savings and the storm and being here today. And uh, I just want to say this. I got like a whole note catalog of sermons I've sat through and different things and I've asked the Lord, Lord, like, Lord, make an impression on me with this sermon or this thought. You hear something, you kind of go, aha, that's really good. But then you want to be like, God, make that a part of my life, especially young people today. If you can make this idea, it's not just an idea, this truth, that I'm going to be a person who shows up, speaks up, and stands up, that's how you become a world changer. Let's be it. Amen.